You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and there is a documentary series coming up under the auspices of the Irish Film Festival in Ottawa, and it is a beautiful form, uh, fall documentary series. And one of the movies coming in is North Circular Road. Luke McManus is the director. North Circular Road is a most interesting part of Dublin. And if you take a look at the map from uh, Phoenix Park around where it weaves around, it goes through so many interesting historic areas. And Luke has uh, focusing on some of the music from the area. And I know it goes past Mount Joy where you'd have the old triangle going, Jingle Jangle and many other things. Luke, Gurumila Mahagatha Falcharot, and we have Patrick Murray on board as well. So Luke, I as I look at as I look at it there, you could you could make five or six documentaries out of the North Circular Road. So you must have been presented straight away with the challenge of how do you narrow this down and keep it within a time frame? Yeah, that's a lot of actually that's a very good point. And there were certain people who thought there wasn't even one documentary in it. And I was telling them, no, just don't worry, there's plenty. Um, and in a way, when you, when you watch the film, when you watch North Circular, it's actually kind of like eight mini documentaries in a row. You know, it's not a film about one thing. It's a film about a journey and it takes you through chapters and it takes you through eras and moments. Uh, and the street changes character very radically as you travel along it. And I think the film reflects that. So. The idea was to have a documentary that kind of was a sort of a, like a, the experience of walking through a city. You know, those overheard conversations, those landmarks, those resonances of the past that hit you when you're a visitor somewhere. And to do that about my immediate neighborhood here in Dublin. So, yeah. That's, that was and and look, you know, as I say, it starts there at the Phoenix Park. So you've got mm. this magnificent park and you come out of it and you work your way around and you go through what would have been uh, at one stage upper class Dublin sure. and then sure, yeah. and then as history changed and it, it became tenement areas and mm. as history has evolved again you had a richness of so many things you had so many births Grange Gorman is just off it um, uh, Mount Joe Jail is not too far off like there's so much in that whole neck of the woods. There is, there is, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the original concept was, look at these institutions that are connected by this road and what they represent and what they resonate of. And the fact that you can go from basically Oris and Uchtaron, you know, the top of the ladder, <laughs> all the way to, you know, the flats of Sheriff Street uh, and some very deprived communities that have some very problematic reputations and everyone in between, you know, the idea of, I remember when David Simon was doing The Wire, people used to talk about Charles Dickens, you know, this, this idea of the whole, every layer of the wedding cake uh, in society. And that always appealed to me, that idea that a city represents a human zoo, a collection of different types of people. And, and I think more than anywhere in Dublin, you get that in the North Circle for sure. And um, I think as you will, your, the film is reflecting, focusing on music, that music is very much the language of the streets at many times, in, in, particularly in cities. You're going to get, whether it be Belfast, you get it in Dublin, you get it in London, you get it in a lot of cities. So to take the history that oftentimes is reflected in the music of the streets. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of something that I was... Clear from the start, but grew in the telling, the idea of the connection between 
the history of a place and the and the history of its music and its culture. And I suppose one of the things about Irish culture is it's very much a narrative culture. It's not a sort of exquisite visual culture or, you know, an architectural culture or, you know, we're not known for our painters or our sculptors. What we're known for is our writers, actors, poets and singers. And what they all have in common is that idea of the story being at the heart of it. And when you look at our music, it's not Mozart and Beethoven. You know, it's lads with in different voices telling stories about the past, you know, in an impassioned way. And that's what's compelling. So we kind of hit on this idea of if we do a musical, so it's not a documentary about music. It's it's a documentary that uses music to tell the stories in the documentary. So you have a soldier talking, you have a song about soldiering, you have a prisoner talking, you have a song about imprisonment, etc. And could you harness these old songs of the past to to both excavate into the archaeology of Dublin, but also to reflect the contemporary energy too. And and I think we were very lucky because this part of the city is where a new generation have taken on the mantle of the folk tradition and have really brought a whole new set of energies and, and interesting takes on it. Uh, and that's all centered around Stony Bagger and Fibsworth. And to that end, you know, Music and with the likes of Lancome uh, recently and how they have portrayed the, what would have been the old Dublin songs and how warmly they were received and how they've achieved what they have. And you go back to Lou Kelly and, mm-hmm. and the Dubliners. You know, you're talking nearly a generation, more nearly two generations between Luke and, and Lancome. Um, right. and, in, and here the storytelling is so much an integral part in music and always has been of that area. It's a very powerful tradition and like it is a living one. Like it's not sort of turned into something for the tourists just yet. You know, it's um it's very much a part of everyday lives. And actually originally when I was pitching the film I had a section about Luke Kelly and about uh, Dominic Bean and about Pater Carney, who were all these great folk voices who were all from the North Circle are kind of Ballybock, East Wall, around there. And, um, but then as I was making the film, I kind of came across the cobblestone uprising and the protest. And this was a whole new generation of young folk singers who were also big hairy fellows and they were also political activists and they were also great singers and they were also heroic drinkers and they were all the things that these old fellows were, but they were young and doing it right in front of me. And I thought, well, to hell with the history books. I'm going to roll with the present because, you know, as a rule of thumb, you're better off shooting the thing that's happening right in front of you. you know? And the whole ethos in and around when you mentioned Stony Batter, it goes back to, I think it was 1973, 74. I put in a few hours work over there in Stony Batter. Um, and um, it, the, the whole vibrancy of the area was there, but it has changed since then. The Definitely. Show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole of Ireland has changed enormously since those days. Um, and to be fair, Stony Valley, which is very close to where I live, and it's a community I feel like I'm part of, uh, it has changed, but it's sort of changed in a way I think that's very respectful and appreciative of its heritage and its history and its customs and its culture. It's not that thing of just erasing the past and building a glass skyscraper on top of it like they did down the Docklands. 
Right. You know, it kind of went, the docks is dead. We're just going to wipe this out. We're going to knock down Sheriff Street and we're going to put in big office buildings. In Stony Ballard, there's a lot more connection between the old generation and the new one. And I think it's it's probably a good example of how to do gentrification, you know. But I think there are lots of bad examples around as well. I'm mean, thinking back to the Luke Kelly thing though as well. I mean, it's funny, he's still in the film. There's a lingering shot of his statue down at the Docklands and and of course there's a, there's also a, a rendition of Hour on the Main which was written by Patrick Carney that you can hear coming out of Crow Park. So I, I I still kept those wee references into those guys even though we didn't actually go there in terms of the storytelling. Right, right. Um, are you pleased with the reaction? I'm blown away. I'm blown away. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we sold it out there the other night in the lighthouse and the film in Dublin, the film came out last December. So, I mean, I think we've done like 50 festivals in 30 countries and, uh, it's been remarkable, really. I have to get the door because my mother's breastfeeding. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Two seconds. My mother, my wife, Jesus. <laughs> Hold on. There you go. Hold on. I put it on pause. So, Luke, when you say you're blown away with the reaction, would you think in any way then that there is an appetite currently for um, connecting with who we were? Because I'm I'm not quite finished, but I'm close to finished. Um, um, we don't uh, we don't know ourselves. Um, it'll come back to me. I think I know what you're saying. I mean, I think one of the things about the folk scene that the film is embedded in that's been so powerful and so worthwhile is the sense of a cross-generational exchange, you know, and that idea that, you know, the old traditions are worth engaging with. And not in an overly reverent way, in a kind of let's let's give them a twist and let's modernize and you know let's keep their integrity, but let's bring it to a new place. I mean, when I was growing up in my twenties, in the nineties, you know, trad music was not really part of my world at all. I mean, I didn't have a background in it, and I certainly had no interest in it because it, for me, it represented a culture of. You know, but we come out of the 1980s. It was a dark time in Ireland. It was probably you'd emigrated, I'd imagine. You know, to get a, to get away from this this overwhelming sense of stagnation and failure. And in a way, that traditional music was tainted by that sense of failure. Um, and then to be in a country that's now so successful and so dynamic, it's certainly that taint is gone, I think, you know, and you kind of go, well, maybe the things that we are, are special about us are, are good and not bad. You know, the Irish language, the landscape, um, the sports and the music. Yeah, no, it's Fintan O'Toole. I'm reading, I'm, I haven't quite finished Fintan's book yet. And you see, given that Fintan and I are not that much different in age, I actually right. relate to the whole thing. And, and, I, there's so much that I'm relating to and saying, wow, I didn't realize that at the time or I didn't realize that at the time. So what your work does is it puts on the screen, it, it visualizes an awful lot of 
what is 500 pages of sentence and very, it's, <laughs> takes more, takes more than 80 or 90 minutes. I've got to say, it's a, it's a shortcut. Well, it was one of the mad things about the film when we were making it. We we're on this journey down the road and it is a linear journey. But I think it was John Murphy, the editor, who may have pointed it out. He tends to point out a lot of very clever things and not take credit for them. So, um, it's actually a journey through time. You know, you start in the 18th century world in the Phoenix Park and you end up firmly in the 21st century where gay women boxers win gold medals and, you know, and the whole country comes out to support them, you know, and, and you have all these other things in between, like the church and prison and poverty, mental health issues, land wars, revolutions, you know, so it's almost like a sort of impressionistic version like a bayou tapestry <laughs> of 200 years of Irish history, except the black and white, and it's a movie. God, I'm getting very full of myself there now. But, but you know what I mean? It's sort of like it, the idea that you're, it works on a couple of different levels. And, and of course, ideas, part you know? of that area was very connected to rural Ireland because you would have had the cattle being brought up into Spitfield area and all that. And that yeah. has all changed. So the connection between urban and rural has become a greater divide. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's interesting. Stony Batter was called Cowtown, and, and a lot of people call it that now. And I, I have a wee office down there on a, on a street called Arbor Place, but it's known as Chicken Lane. And um, there's still stables at the top of the street and horse shit in the middle of the road and dubious-looking youths riding horses around. So, you know, my office is an old stables or an old cattle lair probably. So... It's definitely gone, but it doesn't feel so far away, you know. Um, right. You still hear the clip clop of hooves on the street, uh, which is pretty cool, you know. And uh, I was wondering if I can interject what, what your feelings are on the gentrification of this area. It's so rich in history in the sense that I think of people who, who complain about Times Square saying New York isn't what it used to be. But then those who are there say, uh, it's, it's, uh, you weren't there, obviously, because it was a pretty scary time. You know, do you yeah, find that sure. certification has been good or, or actually there's been a, a nice balance between gentrification, but still some of the culture is still there, mm. the historical imprint. Well, it's still, it's still, still plenty scary around here if you want to be scared. <laughs> there's no problem there. It ain't Times Square, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really complicated thing because I can't, I'm from the South Side, you know, and I moved here in the 90s, like when the documentary makers move in, that's the first sign of trouble. You know what I mean? Like it's the the lawyers and the bankers aren't going to be too far behind, you know? So, you know, I can't really rail against gentrification because like, come on, I am gentrification. I represent it. But I suppose it's what my point was being made earlier was that there are ways of doing it that are respectful and, you know, Stony Batter is a much more dynamic and busy and interesting place than it was when I first moved in. I mean, it was a very interesting place, but it was mm-hmm. a bit of a backwater and now it's sort of a place where it attracts people and you know, and what I love seeing is kind of some of the old timers sitting up having their glass of wine in the wine bar or at the end of the hipster pub counter and they're kind of rolling with the new environment. I'm very involved in Stony Batter Festival, which is a kind of midsummer community art festival and mm-hmm. we have a real strong focus on bringing together so we have things like uh, dog shows and baking competitions and brass band gigs and trad sessions. And the idea being 
you want to do an event that a hipster and a, a sort of 80 year old lady both can get behind you know because that's oh, where nice. lovely connections you know so but I mean it is an afford a, a very unaffordable place to live up in there it's the most unaffordable city in Europe it's the worst rent in the whole of Europe now, which is kind of extraordinary for people who grew up in the dark times to even think that that could ever be possible, but mm-hmm. but it is. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the main causes of that? Um, well, uh, Jesus, how long have you got? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just a couple of, like Airbnb maybe, or something Airbnb's like that. Problem. Airbnb is a huge problem. Yeah. Um, the fact that we've mm-hmm. some huge tech companies here with very, very well-paid workforces. So Google, um, um, Airbnbs, European HQ, LinkedIn, Microsoft, um, mm-hmm. Meta, uh, TikTok. I mean, they're all here. Mm-hmm. All of them. Apple's the only yeah. business in Cork. So, um, you know, and you're bringing young people, the smartest young people in Europe in, and you're paying them 120 grand a year starting wages. No wonder the place is unavoidable. You know, like that's... yeah. That's but, gonna happen. And plus, it was so underdeveloped historically for hundreds of years because people just left because there was no um, economic prospects and there was very few cultural prospects and there was a real lack of freedom. So you have a, uh-huh. you have a country that's completely engineered around people leaving, and then suddenly everyone's yeah. coming and people just are like, "We haven't got the gaps," you know. So there's a massive uh-huh. Dublin. I mean, I'm sitting in a sort of three bedroom house here. I'm. 15 minutes walk from O'Connell Street, you know, it should all be massive apartment buildings around here, but they were never built. So there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> that's causing them. But, but, yeah. but, but in, in summary, in many ways, and, and kind of if you look back when you had Guinness and you had Irish distillers, um, you know, the, the workforce and you had a lot going on. The workforce at the time, you talk about a high paid workforce now, and um, but the workforce back then were on would have been in what would have been working class jobs. So the accommodations were small and you had that intensity, whereas now the accommodation is small with a different kind of intensity. Um, sure. and, and Stony Batter was very much built, you know, to house the artisans who were like the elite working class, skilled yeah. working class. And, and it's actually a fascinating history. If you, if you, one of the reasons I think Stony Bad is such a successful community is that level of social engineering went into its establishment. So they'd have an interview panel uh, to give away the houses, and they kind of try and weed out the drunks and the lunatics, and um, and then they'd often give three brothers three houses on the same street, um, so that there'd be cousins and there'd be extended families along the street. So. To, to build social resilience and foundations into community. And it's interesting how that persisted this day, you know, and, and, and that Stony Bar is full of two up, two down, very small houses, which means you sort of have to live some of your life in public. It's like Paris, New York. It's just too small, you know, to stay in, in, in your house all day. So you've got to go out into the street. You, you want to go to the sh- shops or a cafe or a pub and you get this very rich public realm then, this really beautiful street life as a result of that. Luke, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up. I hate to say it because we could talk for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the film, uh, you've included musical performance by the local artists, which include John Francis Flynn, Sean O'Toma, Bono Canavan, Ian Lynch and Gemma Dunleavy. Yeah, Lisa O'Neill's in there as well, and uh, oh. yeah, it's been a it's a wonderful survey of a scene, 
you know, and I was really fortunate to have these superb singers agree to take part at very, very unfavorable rates for them. So uh, many thanks. Mm. So, Patrick, can you give us the time slots for this? This will be uh, the 26th to the 30th of October. Uh, You can start renting North Circular as of 5 p.m. Eastern time anywhere in Canada as of the 26th of October. And it'll be on the IFI player. That's right. IFI player, go to uh, irishfilmfestivalottawa.ca and we'll direct you there. Look, my man, it's been brilliant reconnecting with you. Um, And it's been a real pleasure chatting. And Patrick, thanks a million for sitting in on this. And uh, you are listening to Irish... You're listening to Irish Radio Canada.